Hello, and thank you for joining This Is Just A Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Uh, before we get started with this uh, these series of uh, episodes featuring uh, all three members of the Cobains, um, uh, I decided to do the interviews all separately uh, because I really wanted to showcase each member's uh, personality and uh, their story within the bands, uh, their other projects that they work on, and uh, life in general. So with that being said, I want to start this podcast reminding everybody to check out the Facebook group at This Is Just A Face uh, for any updates on future episodes and past episodes, uh, any live shows coming up, uh, music videos of the bands featured, and so much more. Also, check out the Instagram at JonathanKent.311 uh, for the same kind of updates, as well as a Twitter page uh, and the account at T-I-J-A-P Podcast. With that being said, Jay, take it away. And you've got no self-esteem There's a hole inside your head With no future to be seen Let's go Let's go Let's go Every day wake up with the same old It's Cobain's week on This Is Just A Face, and this episode is the first of three that features all members of the incredible Chicago pop-punk band. First up is Eddie Cobain, drummer of not only our featured band, but also a member of the Mitochondriacs, a band that features all three members and John Jughead Pearson of Screeching Weasel, The Mopes, and even in Blackouts fame. We chat about a slew of topics, including the career of the Cobains, how his father influenced his musical tastes early on, how Tommy Ramone and Dave Grohl influence his drumming style, how he juggles being a father while playing in punk rock, how his wife has been a huge supporter of the podcast since the very beginning, and so much more. So sit back and keep time along with this episode of This Is Just A Face. This song is from the 2020 re-release of Lethal Injection, entitled That Day.
dude? Hey, what's up, John? Hey, not too much. How you doing, man? <laughs> Good. Good, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that I uh, was able to reach out to you guys and be able to do this. Yeah. Uh, I've been a fan of the Cobains for uh, a long time. <laughs> so, nice. um you guys got on guys got under my radar very early on with public affection. Wow. And uh yeah, because I'm I'm in western Pennsylvania and um a lot of the stuff coming out of Chicago were was really coming under my radar at that time. Yeah. So uh yeah, I definitely and then, then when you guys did the split with the Sheckies, I've been a fan of the Sheckies for a long time too. So I was like, no, oh, this is really cool. Cause I kind of bowed wow. out a little bit and it was great to see you guys still, um, still doing things after, after those years. So it was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Shecky's were one of those bands maybe a year or so after we started, we got to play with in Michigan at that Noah records uh, festival. That's yeah. kind of where we kind of hooked up with like Johnny three and Prozac's for the first time, 20 blows were out for that Huntington's. I hadn't yeah. seen them before, but you know, some of those newer bands, um, was my first time meeting those guys there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, like I said, uh, how I got into your band was because I was, uh, I was aware of what was going on in Chicago and mm-hmm. being friends with the guys and Johnny three, cause we're all around, we're all from the same area. So, sure. um, being able to, to discover you guys discover the Prozacs discover, uh, the other bands like on Cheapskate and stuff like that, that was kind of my uh, entry yeah. into all you guys, you know, c- coming out around the same time. Yeah, and it was kind of like all of us were around the same age at that point. It wasn't like, um, you know, it was like all of the kids that were going to see all the lookout bands were now in their mid to late 20s and playing in bands like that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Branching out of it and touring finally, you know. Because it just took a while to get bands for all of us, I think, for most part. But yeah, like the second wave or whatever wave you want to call it. Yeah, like I was really impressed. Like, because our area is is like I said, I'm from Western Pennsylvania, but really close to Youngstown. Okay. And what was going on is our area was kind of known more for like hardcore. Yeah. Um, and so when Johnny Three started, it must have been God what like 2000, 2001. It was like, because I was playing in bands by that point too, but it was like, I was kind of like in the middle, you know, uh-huh. kind of more like, just like, it's maybe a little bit poppier, but more straight ahead, like punk sound, um, yeah. a more rawer sound. But I was noticing that the, the, the change like around 2000, 2001 was like, there was a lot of that, the, the popular style punk rock coming back when it seemed like everywhere else it was yeah. more of the uh, emo or the the screamo trends that were starting to take place. Yeah, I mean, the band here that really was, the Methadones were pretty active then, and that was kind of the staple for Chicago, like getting to open it for them a couple times. And, um, you know, like a lot of those bands that we had already seen weren't touring as much. Like I said, like the Lookout stuff and uh, even the Fat Bands, you know, were kind of, not even coming through as much or whatever. Just things don't change so much with like that time with MP3s and social media starting and everything else. Like, you know, it really record sales took a turn. And 
I don't but know. it was even though the record, even though the record sales were taking a turn, it was also pretty cool that there was a um, the start of like MySpace and oh, yeah. more of the social media presence where it was a little bit harder to tour before you had to have a certain network to tour it. It was like you could create your own network by using the social media aspect. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, the Fireside Bowl was the big venue here that we saw most of the shows and that kind of stopped around that time even too. So, I mean, as far as like seeing newer pop punk bands or whatever, it was, I mean, I was listening to heavier stuff too. I just started college around then and yeah, I was going to, I was listening to some of the emo stuff and branching out and listening to all kinds of stuff too. So, Yeah, because like Chicago has such a rich a rich history. I mean, mm-hmm. just not even with pop punk that we know, Screeching Weasel, Methadones, anything yeah. that Danny Vapid touches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you got tons of bands that are coming through. They're just not the pop punk. I mean, you guys had um, like Smashing Pumpkins and Veruca Salt and, and the, mm-hmm. the 90s alternative thing, which almost really started to put chicago on its map at least in our for our generation yeah um, because l- l- let's face it let's be honest i mean when screeching weasel when those bands started we were pretty young oh yeah so yeah, yeah we didn't yeah we didn't know about them till later on you know <laughs> in yeah. the 90s but like were, were all that stuff that was going on in chicago besides just the pop punk stuff was that was that under your radar too were you following that as well um, besides the pop punk stuff, besides the pop punk stuff, yeah, because you said you yeah. listen to other stuff as well, yeah, but not per se just like Chicago based. I mean, I liked a lot of grindcore, I was listening to you know, you name it, like a lot of the relapse record stuff, even back then. I would go see a lot of those bands, um, yeah, like yeah, I branched out a lot, and then I got into like Os Rotten, you know, it's probably from your area and Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that for a little bit. It was kind of like you know, that like the kids that I hung out with in high school like metal, but I wasn't really into metal, you know, so much, but I would go see like the grindcore stuff and then kinda got into more like the fast core stuff, more just the power chords, you know, like Charles Bronson from here and like Spaz oh, and stuff like that. Too. I remember Charles Bronson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. just kinda like the lyric the more political, you know, but not necessarily had to be, you know, crazy solos and stuff, just basic, you know, fast stuff. <laughs> And that makes and that makes a lot of sense too that yeah. you were getting into that kind of stuff because what Havoc Records mm-hmm. is out of Minneapolis, yeah. So you know that's yeah. relatively close to you guys. So I'm sure that was was yeah. was falling through. Yeah, basically, yeah. Profane Existence um, is up there, and yeah, just some of those shows were cheap and uh, fun to go to house shows in the city and stuff, and even some of those like folk punk Planet X stuff. Um, what else? But like bands like the Promise Ring and the Get Up Kids, I was getting into a lot and seeing that kind of stuff too at the same time. So I, I really love the Promise Ring, man. Yeah. I saw them open up for uh, Bad Religion. I think it was under. I think it might have been yeah. under when they did uh, Woodwater. Well, I think Woodwater. Yeah, that would have been there. And I remember them coming out and you know Davey has the glasses and stuff, and he comes out and you know they start. They look all like prim and proper, like like polo shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he comes out, and they were one of the filthiest fucking bands, man. <laughs> they just they were like egging people on and shit. And I was like, "This, I can get behind email like this, man. This is pretty mm-hmm. cool." 
<laughs> yeah. And then like, I mean, Alkaline Trio was the big one in high school. And it, when they were popping off, like I wasn't really interested in seeing them, you know, like they'd open for who or someone would open for them or like a late show. And I would just kind of walk out. Same with like Lawrence Arms. Like I loved the Broadways, but you know, slapstick and stuff, but I didn't really dig trio at first just because they seemed more like a mall punk band at the time you know a little yeah. too like high school uh you know what i mean like the mxpx crowd and stuff like good music and everything but just not necessarily like tough enough for me at that age you know which is which is really funny <laughs> you say that about you say that about alkaline trio yeah because i was i was getting uh refreshed on your your band's earlier stuff yeah uh, public affection and, and false accusation and there's a little bit of Marky's delivery mm-hmm. where it at times he sounds like a cross between like Cody from like the Lillingtons and Matt from uh Alkaline Trio. Yeah. That little that uh almost like desperate, like Yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe it, that urgent and desperate kind of tone to his voice. Yeah. There's been times where I've listened to certain, like there's, I think Broadway Calls was one that I was like, oh, this actually really sounds like Marky, you know, just, just kind of in between stuff that I know he's never really listened to, but yeah, more more or less the Lillington's uh, vibe for sure. Yeah, like I was listening to like Dead by <laughs> uh, Dead by Dawn, yeah. I was like, oh man, God, that sounds that sounds so much like that. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I was like, but you know what? When when you tackle a topic like that, it's it's almost hard not to get compared to either one of those bands because the subject matter isn't, isn't typical of pop punk. Yeah. You know, at least, at least not, maybe more so nowadays, but back then it wasn't. Oh yeah, definitely. It was just too heartfelt. Like for me, like I said, in high school, I was more like, yeah, wearing the leather jacket and just listening to stuff that was, yeah, FYP, grindcore yeah. like anal yeah. cunt and shit like that. <laughs> well, not them so much, like, but some. I definitely like some uh, like gore grind even and stuff like that. I mean, there's. I think it's always good to branch out and listen to different stuff. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer that what you like, with, yeah. With, with us being, because we're all around the same age, being '90s kids, it, it was hard. Like being part of the MTV generation, especially in the '90s, we were getting exposed to mm-hmm. Jesus every every facet every genre of music and yeah i don't think we were even aware of it as it was going on but you look back almost 30 years later and you're like damn was i really getting into a lot of different shit like all at the same time yeah yeah i mean as a kid it was like you know we brought up even the other day like the black hole sun video you know stuff like that it was just like even if the music wasn't you know the videos sometimes just made it a lot cooler like oh, the, yeah. you know when i come around video like i'm not gonna say that's green day's best song but you know like the video just really, like walks by and takes the phone off the hook and just keeps walking stuff like that it's like well that's awesome you know when you're in fifth grade <laughs> yeah. cobain's dead by dawn
Eddie, let me ask you, um, how'd you like growing up? You grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, how'd you first get into music? Like who was kind of turning you on to music at an early age? And then what took you into that path towards getting into the, um, the grind stuff and the eventual Mm -hmm. like punk rock? Um, well, first off, like my dad, definitely, he had a band called the buzzards and they were around like in the late seventies, early eighties, pretty much up until I was born. They were playing a lot of shows. Um, just probably more in the Midwest, but um, they played a lot around here and they were on, uh, there was a compilation that came out called uh, You Weren't There. It's a Chicago punk LP. Oh yeah, I've heard that comp. Yeah, Yeah. they're on there. Um, They're not in the video, but they're on the soundtrack. Um, But basically, yeah, he had a studio in Chicago when I was little and uh, I'd go down there and mess around on the keyboard and, you know, um, he would play me in the car. He had a, he'd worked at a daycare center where I went for preschool and kindergarten. And we'd drive through the loop and listen to stuff on the radio. Like, uh, this guy, Jonathan Brammeyer and, uh, Jeff Dahl. And just, there was some songs that, you know, there was, that would come on like Dr. Demento, stuff like that, that as a kid was like almost like nursery rhyme type stuff. You know, it was real, uh, palatable, I remember like Savoy Brown, Hellbound Train, that bass line, you know, it's just cassettes, basically. Uh, Stinkfoot, like, you know, Zappa, that apostrophe album. Oh, nice. That was one of my first real, yeah, that album for, for sure. And even that cover, like my dad back then, he actually looked a lot like Frank Zappa, which is funny because <laughs> he like did some tech stuff for Terry Bozio when they'd always play Chicago on Halloween, Frank Zappa. But, uh, oh, no shit. Yeah, so he, he's a drummer and yeah, he would, just had a lot of stories and yeah, basically like what else? I mean, beds are burning by midnight oil. I remember it was on the, you know, he'd make me like a mixtape of all this stuff. So, uh, so that was kind of like your bond with your dad. Early yeah. On. Yeah. And I was maybe six, like, yeah, real young. Oh, that's cool. Now, yeah. now how'd you, how'd, how'd that, um, how'd your taste change from the stuff that your dad was exposing you to? Uh, leading into the more the the punk or the, even like the alternative yeah. sound later on. Yeah, I mean, like when he'd have, I think it was like Columbia House or BMG, one of those. Um, yeah, I mean, like I was listening, but then I started listening to like Criss Cross and MC Hammer on my own, you know, kind of stuff like the Adams Family Groove and stuff like that. Like we were all guilty of it, looks a lot or whatever. <laughs> like, whoop, there it is, cause single, you know. When I, that was like it's kind of the first stuff I was buying. Um, Foo chickens, you know. Nice, good drop. Yeah, and then just like <laughs> playing basketball, collecting cards, and eventually collecting records. But uh, well, CDs, you know, the Offspring Smash, of course. I think that, that was the first CD I ever bought. Um, nice. You know, and then the kid around the block bought Dookie, and it was just like, well, he's got Dookie, I could smash, you know, whatever. And um, <laughs> so from there, like, I mean, for. Like then I started going to see bands like Silverchair, Metallica. I saw, like, it was my first concert. Um, nice. You know, we were then Nirvana though was like the big band. It was like that was it. You know, like once I started listening to Nirvana, really through basically through my dad. I'm sure had never mind. Um, but everybody kind of knew who they were too. You know, all yeah. over at the mall. But uh, yeah, I mean, like vinyl. I started checking out his records like. Dead Boys and Undertones and uh, Stooges, a lot of the Ramones 
you know, promo stuff he had, vinyl. Um, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, from the from the CDs, then to the vinyl, like, I mean, the first punk shows I was really going to, <clears throat> well, basically I first started listening to, like, local punk, you know, it's kind of how you get into it. It's like the kid around the block that we were in a band with, um, had a cousin living with him and you know he's walking around the block and he's wearing a sliver shirt and i'm just looking out my bedroom window and it's like oh you know that that kid looks cool you know see what he's up to and then he was in a band uh called dick for short and uh they were playing a lot of local shows and he you know told me about the bull weevils and uh the queers and um i wasn't really old enough to go to shows even in the city at that point but i probably had already seen like those bigger bands you know just going getting dropped off for those like festival type things like local h and mm-hmm. stuff like that but basically branching into the punk like local stuff wanting to play go to shows that were just cheaper and find you know it's like there's got to be more bands in there just on the radio you know yeah, exactly. you know like what else is going on in this magazine the you know entertainer the reader was the weekly one with all the venues but you know everything was 21 over you know everything was a bar so you kind of couldn't get into it so, you know, you got to kind of know somebody to find out where the, you know, skate park show is or whatever. And then, like, my other buddy had his brother had, like, the yearbook for a different high school he went to because he was older. And, you know, like, you look at the Battle of the Bands page, it was his band Farkas, you know, like, they had a hand drawn picture, like, in Vandals and Descendants shirts, you know, it was like Descendants I knew from that was, I'm the one was on the, you know, local radio station. So mm-hmm. I knew them. And then it was like, you know, just, just started digging from there, basically going to see shows like at the Knights of Columbus or the, you know, family billiards halls and stuff like that. There's a skate park yeah, close by. And then, much yeah. like a lot of us were, yeah. a lot of us were getting into that same thing, start going to like local shows and getting into like the Knights of Columbus yeah. halls. And yeah, dude, like there was a place called record breakers, which is, uh, was where the skate park was in the same town close to me now. Um, and they, yeah, that became, it's Reggie's now in the city. Like, he moved the record store, more or less. But they had shows there. And, like, my first time going in there was just to buy, like, a you know, they had bootleg Nirvana VHS tapes. And it was just like, you know, then I saw all this punk stuff. And No Effects, you know, was the first thing. You know, like, once I heard No Effects, cut my hair, you know, I was <laughs> punk, basically. Yeah, that I'm I'm still a huge No Effects fan. Like mm-hmm. I don't even try to deny it, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard not to like that band. Yeah, yeah, and just those like physical fanness. All those four dollar comps. Hopelessly devoted to you too. Um, was mm-hmm. the one then the orange one? Like the Nitro comps. Everything back then that was just you get a few of those, and then it was just started going to shows like Rampant. Honestly, like just as much as we could, and then yeah, got to see all those bands pretty quick there but in the late 90s awesome. for a couple of years yeah <laughs> no no let me let me ask you eddie if i were if i were to ask you this would you be able to be would you be able to do this your top five chicago bands oh man i mean obviously weasel riverdales i don't i'd say that's like one band just because it's the same three I know it's hard to split them up, you know, <laughs> more or less. And even methadones, I'd throw in there just because that. But um, bull weevils, the Broadways, um, slapstick, even like 
Rob Kalmberger, the drummer, his style learning, you know, those uh, VHS. I had a, a live show with them at the Metro, like Chef in the Balcony, where I got to see the, his drumming style, like just take that as an influence even. Um, and, I mean, God's Reflex, I got into a little later. They're out of Rockford, but uh, I really like their records. Canadian that's Rifle. Where cheap, uh, that's where Cheap Trick's from, too, Rockford, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Canadian Rifles is a band that's still going, and they used to be. Uh, this guy was a- Ambition Mission was a band I saw early on with him and the girl Annie that was in Meshuganos, and uh, yeah, I mean, those are kind of my favorites. Awesome. I always try to ask people because if if like 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 in my case, being from near Pittsburgh, it's like. I get like, oh, well, what bands? What 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 bands would you recommend from from Pittsburgh? It's like, well, it depends on what your taste is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It depends on what you're looking for. And you know, and the same thing with Chicago. Like Chicago has such a uh, a mass amount of music. I mean, whether it was kind of the post grunge stuff or or the the pop punk stuff or even industrial with with uh, TBT and Wax Tracks. You know, mm-hmm. you have. You have such a large style. Even even the hip hop that was coming out of Chicago, the There's, Spa too, Blue Meanies. I when yeah. I see them, they'd put on great shows. I saw the Blue Meanies too. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> I have <laughs> never probably even listened to them since then. I mean, I think the only CD I had was like the live album, you know, and just <laughs> they did every uh, like a Christmas Eve Eve show every year, and you know, a bunch of few those. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, like, the Chicago, ska thing just... was cool, you know, the punk ska stuff, local bands. That uh, was always a good time. Yeah, we had a couple of ska bands around my area, too. And, and that was just, like, like there wasn't really fights or anything bad that went on at ska shows. It was, like, kind of like, you know, almost kind of like the hippie seed of, like, punk. It was like there was never violence. It was all hugs yeah. and having a good time and, and laughing and joking around. It was never a, never a bad vibe. Yeah, I was pretty young still, like, you know, when you're 14 and going to see guys in bands that are 17, 18, like, it's, you know, you're light years away or whatever, but. Yeah, um, but it doesn't seem that yeah. far now, right? No, no, I know. But the, by the time I was actually, like, out of high school, like, I feel like that was, you know, besides Les and Jake, there wasn't much left. There blood. wasn't many of them left, right? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, funny. Cobain's Alone.
Teddy, now that we got that top five out of the way, I'm interested to talk to you about um, how you got started drumming. Uh, what were your influences in, in the style that, that, that you played the drums? Um, yeah. Cause it varies, but you have a very heavy sound to your drum playing. Yeah. And um, I just kind of want to know like um, what led you up the drum and, and why you chose that kind of heavier style. Definitely Dan panic, obviously like his, the, yeah, the hitting hard and Dave Grohl, you know, those two combined. Um, Tommy Ramon, between those three, probably. Um, and who else? Like I'm trying to think of like the local. Nah, I mean I I never played too fancy, so yeah, just hit hard and have a little bit of stage presence as a drummer as much as you can rocking out. So yeah, I, I think I think yeah. Danny Panic and Dave Grohl are, are two ones that definitely stand out to me too. I mean Dave Grohl yeah. slams the shit out of his kit. And uh-huh. uh, like I, I could hear that like I like I was going through through your discography and I was like damn Eddie hits so fucking hard on his kit man. That's <laughs> the that's the one thing that stands out to me is like it, you 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 really you really hit hard on the kit like you're yeah. not you're not holding back no no usually not no <laughs> <laughs> but um oh, let me let me ask you like how did how did the uh, I know you and you and Marky are the original members uh-huh um you guys went through a slew of of bass players throughout throughout the tender of the band um how did the start of the Cobains come about? Like, how'd you meet Marky, and how did you get yeah. the the band started up? Oh man, so probably like '95 we met '96, and pretty much all those shows that I just talked about were shows me and Marky went to. Um, um, so just his friend, he's he's like a year and a half younger than me, but like two grades. So my okay. buddy, that like the guy that bought the Dookie CD around the block, like he was in Mark's grade, and he. You know, Mark came over to his house and, uh, you know, he played guitar, he played drums. So just kind of started a band pretty quick and then kind of stopped hanging out with that other guy. You know, even though I was friends with him for a long time, he didn't really seem to, is into wanting to play in a band. And then uh, that other guy around the block, it was just local stuff. So like the dude with the cousin, like, you know, he played guitar too. So we kind of formed a band and just started playing like, little house garage shows in the area and our elementary school um we even played it i was already in middle school but mark i think was in sixth grade with the other guy okay yeah and then uh i mean like yeah been playing i mean after high school i did um like a thrash punk band and he did like a metal band and we didn't jam for a couple years there in between and then uh The bass player I had, he was in that band Farkas I talked about. And then he was oh, okay. he was on Public Affection. So like, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean we were in bands all through high school together. Couple couple different bands playing the local battle of the band stuff. Yeah. And was the the style that you were going for with the Cobains the that Chicago pop punk sound that you were you were going yeah. for? You were already listening to that stuff by then after listening to kind of like more like the grindcore and stuff like that. Yeah. I just got back into it because you realize people in other bands, it's not always like, Oh yeah, it's just, you know, people aren't as dedicated. People got other things going on, be it depression or whatever. You can, you know, drinking too much, obviously it's always a thing or just, you know, just 
differences and uh it's, it's not fun you know and you were probably wanting yeah. to, you were being around that age you probably were wanting to play something that was a little bit more fun and more goofy and yeah I mean, you could... yeah i had done a couple bands with there was another local band called the ingrates and i was in a couple bands with those guys um okay. around the time this is like the 2000 2001 and then oh man like basically when it's alive records started putting out the seven just like the mugwumps and chinese telephone stuff mm-hmm. i'd go i'd go see chinese telephones that's when i kind of saw and then like the ergs were coming out that's when i said let's do a pop punk band and that's when i really felt like it was coming back i'd seen uh Jughead had a show with like the Unlovables and the Steinways, and it was just like, yeah, there was a gap there though for a few years where I wasn't finding any pop punk, and that's when I was listening to other stuff. Yeah, it almost mm-hmm. seemed like after after Green Day exploded, it was like mm-hmm. there was a couple other pop punk bands that were kind of making it to the surface, but it almost it almost kind of went back into like the underground again, you yeah. know, and then stuff like bands like Simple Plan and Good Charlotte and that more Blink style sounding yeah. band started rising to the surface. For sure, yeah. I mean, Blink was that was when Dude Ranch came out. That was another one for me that, like, from off the bat, that was a game changer too. You know, of course, I didn't even talk about that, but that's a great record. That. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, uh, but um, yeah, like, yeah, Fall Out Boy from here. You know, I didn't like any of that stuff at the time at all, and. Um, just it, things were so awkward with all that fashion core stuff in the magazines, and the, you know, AP what's emo and it's not and all that garbage. It was just, it was, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> so. it, it was, it was, it was funny. You brought up AP and, and gr- grabbing that magazine growing up because it was out of Chicago and it was, or uh, sorry, out of Cleveland. Yeah. And it was like in all the local, like supermarkets and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. could pick it up. And I started watching that turn from like, the bands they were covering to the bands that, that I wasn't interested in. And it was like around like 2001, 2002. And I'm like, Oh no, I, I can't get into this stuff. man. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember buying like hip parader and like find out bands like the queers from like their next stop rehab shirt in the rockabilia ad, you know, or like the weasel shirt and stuff like yeah. that. Like minute men, you know, or whatever, like meat men stuff. It was just like, it's funny how you can just remember little things like that, that really, made a difference even though you didn't really realize it till later looking back it's like you know yeah i wish I logos those logos you know the vandals i wish i would have grabbed all those shirts too looking back i know man (laughs) jeez mark sold all his nirvana shirts like a year and a half ago for like i don't know 1750 just down the street off marketplace he just got cash at the gas station from somebody from like like a maybe eight or i don't know some some of those outside sides whatever yeah. yeah, most of that stuff I just gave away, or like those bags of shirts that just ended up getting all mildewy in my parents' basement and just tossing, you know, because they were in garbage bags at that point. Yeah, I, I, extra I lo- they were so big, and now I'm wearing all the big shirts again. You know, I went somewhere <laughs> along the lines. I went from a large to medium, and then forget about it at double X again. Yeah, that's what I'm at too. I just went to a show mm-hmm. done in Pittsburgh, and like I, I wanted to get this 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 uh, all girl band that we went to go see Flog and Molly play. Mm-hmm. and the violent femmes and there was a band that opened up they were called thick yeah and they're all girl band and they kicked ass and i was like oh, i want their shirt i want to go get their shirt because i always support the, the the lesser known band first you know what i mean i'm yeah. gonna buy their cd i'm gonna buy their shirts you know what i mean yeah um 
even though they're on epitaph like they're they're really they don't have a name so they're just starting out you know what i mean you gotta throw them some 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 money you know this was recently yeah this was uh last wednesday this past wednesday nice yeah they played uh, a venue we have uh, outdoor venue called stage ae and it was flog and molly violent femmes me first in the gimme gimmies and thick oh cool so i was yeah. uh me first with cj yeah, it was yeah, it was CJ and uh, Speedo from Rocket from the Crypt and mm-hmm. uh, the drummer from the Damned. Nice. Yeah, oh, and uh, Johnny Two Bags from Social D. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty. It was it was it was weird not seeing the guys from Fat like <laughs> on stage with Mike, but like it was like it was still cool nonetheless. Was Joey Cape is he doing me first still? Uh, he is, but I don't think that he wasn't on the stage. It was <laughs> yeah. Joey Cape, the drummer from RKL and Lagwagon wasn't there. Um, okay. I don't think the dude from uh, uh, Foo Fighters does it anymore. No, that the guy that was in uh, no use, yeah, no use, yeah, no use for a name. Um, yeah, but it was just a whole nother lineup when Spike singing, but realistically, it's Spike singing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me first, and but um, yeah, we yeah. saw that in the. I went to go get a shirt. Long story short, I went to go get a shirt. They didn't have a two XL, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> in a way, it's like, "Well, save me a few bucks." You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I bought a CD. Yeah. I still helped the band out, but my fat ass totally. couldn't get a fucking T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I just bought. I got uh in that like what was it in the No Effects group or something on Facebook? Like a dude was like, "Oh, I got the bundle because I wanted the variant, and it came with the triple X and." I, I just got a triple X for seven bucks. He's like, I'll ship it for, you know, just pay the shipping. I'm like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Dude. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. It's, that's a little too big for me, but yeah, I got to start going back to the gym after, you know, I was doing pretty good until COVID hit and then planet fitness closed or whatever. So yeah, I had a health issue a year ago and mm-hmm. I, I got weighed at the doctor's office and I went, Oh jeez, I'm the heaviest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm like back to where I was and like before this trip, but, Anyways, yeah, I mean, with the homeschool, it obviously didn't make it easy for me to get out. Mr. St. Carol's home. I was homeschooling my youngest yeah. pretty much for, I think we Here. did it from March through, like, January, Basically. you know, when he finally went back. Yeah, that's really what it was. I'm so glad it's. I'm so glad that he's back in school. He's just, he just has to wear a mask. That's all he has to do. I'm totally. Like, Same here. There we go. <laughs> Cobain's Jesse Marie.
let me ask you, like, um, your career with the band, like, um, guys have been a band, so you guys formed in what, 2007? Eight. 2008? Yeah, April. It was. Okay. Like, roughly. So you put out Public Affection, like, really yeah. quick then. Yeah. Um, the other guitar player we went to high school with, um, he was uh, in a surf band with Mark that Mark's still doing called the Aquahogs. Okay. He was playing drums at the time, but he he played guitar too. So that was, we formed this pop punk band. I would, like I said, I was showing kind of that uh, it's a live type stuff. Like, this will be really easy. This will be fun. Let's do it. Um, we played a lot locally, like almost like practice wise, you know, for a while there. Um, and then we got hooked up with uh, the Japanese labels <clears throat> through through uh, MySpace. I got just branching out and hitting people up. Nice. And then, yeah, this label fixing a hole, this guy, Key, he uh, said, well, I got this guy in this band, Social Pistons, that um, has a record store and a label he's starting called Dumb Records. So he'll co-release it with me. And then if you guys want to kind of outside the tour, if you guys want to do some shows with them. And we ended up doing like 10 shows in 12 days. Yeah, it was a good time. Oh, wow. So yeah. really early on, you were already getting the attention of Japan at that point. Uh, Yeah, well, this might have been early 2009, and we went out there in September, and then literally got that Japan Invasion record when we were there. Um, so yeah, and he made shirts for us and everything. So it was, it was we paid for our flights, but he kind of paid for all the hotels and food and, and drove us around the whole time. So it was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, cause you hear a lot about like the pop punk bands they get a lot of attention in, in, in Canada or Europe, but like you never really think about Japan. So it's no. a little it's like, oh, they're get they're getting interest from Japan early on. Now is that still the case years and years later on? Like is Japan still a big uh, uh Oh yeah. Uh, good still? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean they have like recess records, Japan, this band for tomorrow, they, they put on a festival that was like three stages and we were the only band not from Japan on that. That was like the first thing we did out there and it was awesome. Oh, no so, shit. Yeah. A lot of those bands are still together and, um, I got a package not that long ago of stuff. I kind of have them gather up stuff from me, the sky key stuff or whoever, you know, just to save on shipping, you know, cause it's pretty high. So mm -hmm. someone could like, you know, Hey, check if you can get this for me and that, and then you know I'll pay you whatever the shipping is and a little extra. Oh wow, okay. Uh, I've done that a few times, but yeah, some really good bands out there. Um, let's see, like that's yeah, pop, mostly pop punk. I mean, I knew a lot of like bands that have done it through uh, Snuffy Smiles, like Chinese Stuff once did it through them. I know mm -hmm. Off Their Heads did, um, but I don't know. We just went a different route, just kind of whatever you know happened so i've kind of always just been open to whatever with the band and then yeah i mean we did a little bit of, we didn't tour a whole lot the next couple of years we did like two weeks to the east coast two weeks to the west coast you know and just i kind of remember all those shows basically from what bands we were playing with at the time um had some lineup changes yeah yeah went but, through bass players and stuff like that yeah like the, the guitar player would be the you know we lost the bass player first and then the the guitar you know be a three play, uh, three piece the guy would play bass and then we'd get another second guitar player and then you know the bass player would play. so it was, yeah it was revolving of course yeah mm. um that, that, that was never an issue that never really i mean a, a little bit of a setback you know having to teach the guy stuff but more or less like 
yeah, within a couple months, it was, you know, pretty easy to get someone to learn 12 songs or whatever. Yeah. And your guys' catalog, I mean, there was definitely gaps in, in, in stuff that you guys produced and, and, and stuff like yeah. that. But, like, that does. That comes from whatever's going on. You guys are working normal jobs. You guys are, you mm-hmm. know, having kids or whatever. Yeah, once I hit 30, like, 2012, that's kind of when I definitely sl- slowed down and took a step back from playing live shows for a while. And then, uh, yeah, but we had some – we played with some great bands then. You know, it was a fun time. So, um, yeah, yeah, like – you know, we did like Teams Bottle Rocket, Cobra Skulls. We played with a couple times. You know, a lot of stuff in Chicago, and then on tour it was always like Hollywood Blondes and, um, you know, D Cracks. We did a bunch of shows with. And, oh, nice! You know, that's where we played in Pittsburgh. We played at uh, at thirty thirty first Street Pub with them. And, I was at uh, that show. I think I yeah. was at that show. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, and Ruggers Pub. Oh yeah, I remember that place. He's drumming in Radio Blast now. That dude was really helping us out there. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, we got our that's where we got our uh burger tattoos, all of us at that flying monkey across oh, no. smiling moose kind of over there. Yeah, over that I know exactly what you're talking about. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Got the burger tats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. we did the West Coast and uh Yeah, that was fun, man. We got to go to California and do a bunch of shows out there and then on the way back is you know we did like double down saloon in Vegas uh, did a bunch of shows in Texas and then I met um, my wife and uh, at the Kilby Court in Salt Lake City oh wow um, yeah so it was a good time and then uh, then we did that Ramones cover album took a lot of time on that and uh, that Prozac split and then yeah and then then once I had a kid like. I had to take a break for a while and things slowed down for sure. But yeah, the last few years, obviously like, well, year and a half really of active playing shows, but mm-hmm. you know, we did some shows in there with like radio buzz kills and uh, you know, wimpy and the cryptics uh, make war, like whatever, you know, well, Jagger Holly by that point, you know, was the new J band. <laughs> the new, all, all the J bands, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or like even, yeah, like Andy Shecky was doing his solo thing and playing with them. But yeah, I mean, then we got Mark's wife to play bass, and then I had like six shows booked before COVID, but I only got to play one of them. That's a bummer, man. Yeah, I I, I can't worse. wait for more bands to go back to playing, man. I I went to my first show uh, at the beginning of August, and it was the first one I went to. It was like sixteen months. And it was like ugh, yeah. freedom, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude. It was so nice. I just hope more and more bands go back to playing, and and even even if you got to get like people make a big deal about people, you know, bands wanting to be vaccinated. It's like, dude, you want to go to a show or not, man? You know, I know I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I miss the live music. I miss I miss being around people. I don't want people to sneeze on me and shit, but I, I at least want to be inside a venue watching a band play. Yeah, yeah, I saw Armor for Sleep a couple weeks ago, and it was it was really good. They're oh, like nice. early two thousands band. Yeah, I remember that they had that uh, drop with drowning in a car or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did that whole album, and it was at this venue, the Metro. Um, it's funny actually. I saw this morning Metallica's playing there tonight. It's it's a real small place, and they haven't probably played there since the early eighties. But, um, anyways, yeah, the sound in there is really good. I think I've gone to too many shows at Reggie's because I forgot how good the sound is at Metro. But like. Yeah, they had all 
a lot of, like that's where I went to my first punk show, see Suicide Machines, you know, and like that was awesome, you know, like just getting to go back there. It's been oh, so yeah. long. Yeah, but that was the first real venue. Uh we saw this guy that uh Kelsey likes this place, Thalia Hall, uh a few weeks ago. John Moreland. That was he was like acoustic though. So Oh, that's cool. Same, yeah. But uh yeah, I mean, since COVID, man, I've just been like recording a lot of session stuff. I did this uh we got like six songs for, with Grim Deeds coming out. Uh, Mark played bass on that. And nice. uh, this dude, he's got a band called Noodle Brain. He's like in his mid 20s, a couple hours south of us. I got a uh, full length worth of music being mixed now. Um, I think that'll be on like that laptop punk, probably again, that Grim Deeds does. Yeah. Yeah. It's doing that. And then I did a song, uh, this guy in Italy, this band Mighty Goose. They got some music videos. They're really good. Not, um, super. They don't have a full length, so like they, you look them up, you be like, oh wow, these guys are really good Italian band. But uh, they've done like some of those like Monster Zero Fest and stuff. But um, I'll have to check them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were they. He needed a drummer, so I just recorded a song for them, and uh, I think it'll be on that Ramones Core Brigade Volume Two is coming out around Christmas. Yeah, I was talking. I was talking to somebody. There, one of their songs is going to be on that uh, Ramones Corporate Grade Volume Two, which I'm oh. stoked about because I have the first one. So, which which band is that? Lesser Creatures. Oh, Nick. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. So, yeah, Nick. Nick's my buddy, man. I talk to him almost like every day, man. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge proponent of the podcast early on. Him and him and Zach, and uh, they were one of the first guests on the on on the podcast. So they've been. You know, huge yeah. like supporters early on. Him and those guys in, in J Prozac and, and JD, they've all supported me right from the very start. So it was really cool. Nice. Yeah. The Neon Bone one I really liked. And then uh, I think, are they all hosted up on Apple now? Because that's always how I listen to my podcast. Yeah. So at first it wasn't like I couldn't find anything besides that one. And now I think more are up there. Yeah. What, what, uh, if, if I can get more songs that aren't on spotify like if i can get more direct files and i don't have to use anything from spotify then that'll they'll be on apple podcast but if i'm forced to use songs from like spotify it'll stay strictly on spotify hmm. it's a weird thing with the anchor app that i have it's like if yeah. you use one song from spotify it makes it exclusively spotify oh wow yeah because yeah kelsey listened to it before i did your stuff and uh mm-hmm. She kind of has. She has Spotify. I don't. So, I do. I do Bandcamp and you know SoundCloud. I like music on there, but more or less between the podcast app and you know, I still play CDs and Bandcamp and all that. So I don't know. I think Spotify's one of those things where it's like the curated playlist and stuff. I get a little bored with, but yeah, it, it, it's it's nice that it's available because you could you could have it for free. The, mm-hmm. the only downside with Spotify is if you don't pay for, it, you get thirty second blips of songs. But you know yeah. what? If, if you get thirty second blip of a song and you like it, then you're gonna go. You're gonna go look up the band. You're gonna look up their Bandcamp, or you're gonna look up wherever you can find their yeah. music. You know, yeah, I, I get mean? a lot of stuff on Bandcamp. You know, whatever I could find, usually, especially if it's like name your price, I'll usually just buy it. Um, yeah, it's brand- so like I've been slinging a lot of records too lately because of that. Because it's like I only have so much time, and it's like in a way, I'm guess I'm transferring to digital, the digital world a, w- a little bit because of the Bandcamp and. Mm-hmm. Um, I did just get a Ford Escape with. I made sure I got a CD player, and I still got the Bluetooth too. So I'm kind of in the middle, you know. Like I still buy, I buy tons of records and CDs, but you know, if I'm not 
listening to something, and I've kind of always been like this. When I worked at Tower Records for a few years in college too, and I would get promos and go to punk shows, get stuff cheap, and just you know, if I bought a CD for ten bucks, you know, and I could sell it for three back then because the CD warehouses and all that were still giving a few bucks, mm-hmm. more or less, you know, for the promos and everything. Like, well, well, why not? Like, get some money to go out and buy something else. And Interpunk, you know, everything we had to buy, we never got to sample, so it was like half of the stuff. I'd only listened to a few times and it was like, man, I spent 14 bucks on that, but whatever, <laughs> you know, like, you know, how yeah. It was. Yeah, it was exactly. like, CDs held their value. I mean, but now since shows have stopped, man, like Discogs is dried up. So it's like, everything is just way more like I, I get stocked up a lot. Like when Eddie was little, but you know, not going to shows a lot and just kind of getting records and stuff. So like, I have no problem selling stuff now and it gives me something to do like i was going to post office like every day for a couple weeks there they were open Mm -hmm. you know just up until like last week take a little break but yeah i'm always buying shit up i'm always trying to buy shit up man like anytime somebody's running a promotion i'm like i got to ask my wife uh can i get this cd Mm -hmm. can i get this bundle yeah (laughs) but i want yeah but it holds its value especially the vinyl like Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, especially like these pre-orders on fat, the colored vinyl stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, the second that stuff sells out, it's it's double online already. You know, on disc guys, and it's like, not that I'm buying stuff ever to flip anything, but if I do buy it and then know that okay, maybe I listen to it once or just keep it, you know, just to support the bands, you know, keep it sealed and then stream it. If you get the, you know, you mm-hmm. buy something through a band on Bandcamp, a lot of times they get the includes the download, so it's like I got it there, you know, whatever. So. You know, give it away to somebody else or just, you know, listen, you know, like I said, sell it later on. But at least, you know, you support that band. You listen to the record. It's not like I feel like I'm, yeah, you know, spin it once, whatever, you know, like people it's still in great condition. You know, it doesn't have to be unplayed to be like, you know, worth something worth a bunch of money. Yeah. You know. Cobain's Pizza Party. Pizza.
what eddie i also want you to do me a favor and and tell kelsey thank you for me for supporting mm-hmm. the podcast totally i see her liking things all the time when new episodes come out you know she's always one mm-hmm. of the first ones to comment and supportive and i i greatly appreciate that yeah i will i mean she's been really supportive she does the newsletter for weasel and that's kind of mm-hmm. where we reconnected was one of those ben weasel shows and uh in chicago like i i my son with my ex-wife um i had so like it was five years like even though i met her in utah like when i got back i I was married for five years with a lady from uh new jersey that i met out there that was friends with the shecky's guys oh okay and uh yeah so then eventually like after i got divorced and uh that's when i started you know playing with cobains again is when i met kelsey in chicago you know, so yeah, it's crazy how things just you know that's been a few years now. Awesome, yeah. I always, always like I try to make like early on the podcast, I was like, I need to get women on the show. Is I, I looked at like the first like fifth, uh, looked at like the first 14 episodes, and I was like, I don't have any women on the podcast, like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah, and, doing and cool. the more, the more because women were supporting the podcast, Kelsey was supporting it, Athena was supporting it, Leslie all those people from the different groups, they were all hugely supportive of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I need to start giving them women on the show. And I had, uh, I had a scene on that. I had my wife and then I'm going to have uh, Maria on the show. And I had uh, a woman, Nico, who does uh, uh, art gallery coming up in Cleveland. It's just important to like have women be interested yeah. in the scene too. It doesn't have to be all men all the time. Yeah. I heard you bring up like the bomb pops. I think you said, your wife liked and stuff and i we played with them once i would i would say like maybe try to get one of them even i've been working i've been working on it man (laughs) like or just ask like jughead like he's going you know the the dog party you know get them Mm. or something yeah i'm trying to work on i I was in i was in early early conversation with a member of the band i won't i won't bring Mm -hmm. up his name but um conversations with him kind of dried up a little bit and i was like well maybe i can get the whole band on but yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe when I'm a little bit bigger, I can get somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I always get nervous too when bands are on bigger labels. Not that they're a big band, but when when they're on a bigger label like that, like I almost kind of get a little intimidated. Like, should I go out and reach somebody like that? Like, am I at that stage where I'm legitimate enough to be able to go after a band that has like probably a publicist or somebody that does that kind of stuff for them? Yeah, it's a lot of work, I'm sure, especially all the editing and everything. Yeah, it could be it could be a little difficult just dealing with other people than just yeah, like because I've been that. used to doing it, going right to the to right to the source. You know, yeah. I was surprised I got the guys in the Huntingtons. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. thought for sure I was like, holy shit! When their drummer reached out to me, I'm like, 
yeah, I'll interview you. Fuck it. You guys are the Huntington's. Like, why, why wouldn't I? <laughs> but some of those bands have publicists or have people that do that kind of stuff for them. So you never know if you're at that level for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let me let me let me uh, get away from that. I I, I want to ask you like your father, uh, just 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 Eddie. You have yeah yeah um, yeah. I'm Eddie. My son's the fifth, so we're all Eds. <laughs> you're all Eds. <laughs> um, how do you find like how are you able to balance being a father and playing punk rock at the same time? Like, has it been has it been a challenge for you? Was it early on, and is it easier now? Well, that's what I was kind of saying. Yeah, with Max wasn't as supportive as Kelsey, so uh, makes a big difference now. Yeah, I mean, um, and then lately, like I, I kind of just been down to part time because I'm I'm a restaurant manager. I've been for 17 years the same deep dish pizza place. So like, oh okay, cool. Yeah, the same company, but uh, kind of. I'm back to I'm just like part time now and kind of leaning back into full time still because all the COVID stuff. It's one of the locations closed oh. with all the banquets we were doing, and then I did you know I worked through most of it. Um, did really well because we didn't have so many employees. But anyways, man, yeah, dude, like just trying to do as much as I can lately, but without shows, it's been a little rough. But yeah, like. So, like, my son was first born, Max wife. She worked nights, and it was just, like, playing shows really wasn't easy at all, you know? One yeah. of the first kind of things I did was those Jughead birthday shows. I remember getting back into going to shows and stuff like that, just getting off time. Before I was salary, a lot of times I was serving. So, like, before that, it wasn't like, you know, you lose money, obviously, not working the weekends, and you got to spend money, and, like, those are the best days to work. So it was like, you know, you, you think of a $30 show or whatever be it with you know going out to eat it's really like maybe 300 you know or 200 bucks or whatever you know that you're yeah, not exactly. making so like that was never um not always the smartest thing you know between the playing shows too so it's like even now i'm noticing already it's like oh man you know like being a manager you know it's like you don't get off so many days for shows like tuesday nights are great you know but those are just like the younger bands coming through which are cool shows to go to but not to play you know like for for us anyways you know on a weeknight it's not always an option yeah you guys are established band your guys are used to playing friday and saturday nights you know and i mean those well are yeah your... just because we well the venues normally we play at too are like kind of more of this yeah not ones that are going to be drawn a lot necessarily on the weekdays you know anyways so mm -hmm. um yeah one of the last shows we did was like opening for 10 foot pole and um, that was that was cool. Like, but that that probably was a weekday and still a good turnout. But we, usually we try to get like opening slots, um, you know, with bands that we would want to go see, and obviously wouldn't have to pay to get in at that point, you know, and just have a good time, you know. Awesome. Um, yeah, man. I mean, like we got this show coming up, um, you know, with Boris Sprinkler October 9th. So it's pretty pretty cool. Oh, awesome! I like them a lot, man. They're a good band. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be good. It's gonna nice. be the first. Well, this is Mitochondriacs. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be the first show for Mitochondriacs. So. Oh, nice. So that's a good. That's a good segue, Eddie. I like. I like how you're thinking. You're almost. <laughs> you're almost creating questions for me at this point, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just gonna add, like, but having a son has been awesome. You know, like, keeps me youthful as all. You know, like, can't, can't, uh, <laughs> haven't been happier in my life. So. 
Good stuff. Well, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad to see when when I became a father. I mean, my oldest is 16 now. I I didn't have anybody that had that showed me the rope. So when I became a dad, I was 24, and I I I kind of took it. I bowed out a little bit. Like I didn't leave the scene. I just wasn't into it as much as I was before. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until you know a couple of years ago that I saw myself you know, hanging out with people that I hung out with before we had, we had mentioned Stiv earlier from Hollywood blondes. Um, I reconnected with him and a lot of those guys and it was nice to be a part of the scene again. It was, I I really miss it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, uh, for life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. It's it's great that you found the balance too, that you can, that you can balance being a father and still play in a band because it's not everybody can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's best to just not break up. Uh, Just, you know, you got to take a break, take a break. And then sometimes that makes for better songs, you know, having some experiences in between and yeah, never uh, stop doing what you love to do. Otherwise you're going to be miserable. Hmm, absolutely been well and, uh, said. you gotta have your hobbies and regardless of if it's uh bringing in a lot of money or not you know mitochondriacs i want it all <laughs> See, i'm sorry it's hard for me to <laughs> sing that goddamn part all right i want it all Before I let you go, I want to I want to chat with you real quick about uh, the mitochondriacs that mm-hmm. uh, you, Marky, and Maria all a part of with uh, Jughead mm-hmm. uh, from obviously Screeching Weasel, even Blackouts, the Mopes, all those bands. Um, how did you? I mean, obviously you knew Jughead before um, from the birthday shows and stuff like that. But what brought on the idea of doing the yeah. uh, the mitochondriacs? Yeah, I mean, I met Jughead more like opening for even in blackouts um, back at the fireside around those time that like methadones were pretty active too. That's kind of when he got that going. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we went to all those weasel shows at the House of Blues, and they played the Secret Show at Fireside, and that was about it. You know, obviously, I didn't see Weasel before that. Um, Mopes, I got to see a couple times. Um, and then, yeah, so, like, uh, he came to see us with the queers at Reggie's, and then he said after the show that he had a song for us. I think he saw us once at, like, Liars Club before that, too. He came out. Um but anyways, yeah, he had a song written for us. I, I think it was a, this unreleased Mopes song. They didn't get around to recording because, you know, they were spread out at that point, obviously. So mm-hmm. we just recorded that the other day. That'll be on this Mutant Pop CD that's coming out. And that's the – we got two songs on there that aren't on the uh, band camp. But Jughead no, more or less wanted to do, like, each release, kind of write songs real quick and spontaneous and keep it real high energy and – uh so we practice and record like we'd learn the songs and record them like two at a time since like March. And, uh, we just got done recording the last two for the CD to have out by the show a couple of weeks ago, but we've been practicing for like a month now besides that, like, you know, every Tuesday. So like even Cobain's has always been every Tuesday. That's the thing. Like Mark's a manager at uh guitar center. Like we always kind of had to work, um, you know, weekends. So it's just kind of always been nice to have that one day, that block of time where we know if we're going to do it, this will always work out kind of thing. Awesome. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Jughead's been coming out and uh, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. I didn't know it was going to turn into a band really first, but he's been doing each release for all for uh, different foundations. And uh, yeah, my wife's works for this company called the bridge. Uh, they're a not-for-profit, so yeah, like you know, she's she's gotten some money for her, her for her work out of it and everything. So yeah, it's been really fun, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I listened to yeah. Jug. I listened to Jughead's podcast too, and he was explaining the process of doing it, where it's mm-hmm. just very, very spontaneous, very one take. Let's do this. Um, some of the fast he talks about some of the fastest stuff he played in a long time. Um. And the, the songs I heard by you guys, they're great. And it, it's great to see him do something in that vein again. As much as I like yeah. as much as I love even in Blackouts, it's definitely back to that 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 old style of playing. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. I mean, even back, like, Phil Hill jammed with Cobain for a few shows. Like, Marky was doing Beatnik Termites. And then, I don't know, what we did some shows with Teen Idols and Beatnik. And uh, that's when Phil was living with John and, uh, like... I, I remember driving him around a couple times back then and stuff, and he's just always been really cool to me. So, um, yeah, man, like it's really it's really been good. Just because all through COVID, like I said, we were just recording, doing session stuff, put basically putting Cobain's on hold because you know there was no reason to run through the set. We weren't going to play a show, so like I was trying to, we were just trying to make some loot by recording other artists and stuff, you know, at the studio, just nice. to make a little money because I wasn't you know working as much. Yeah. Well, let's hope that you had another avenue that you could mm-hmm. try to make some money off of. Oh, yeah, man. A lot of fun. Plus, obviously, <laughs> I wouldn't spend as much, you know. None of us mm-hmm. were driving too much or going out to eat at all. So, it yeah, was that's... it was a weird time that we're just still kind of bouncing back from. Yeah, we'll get there eventually, man. We'll get, mm-hmm. we'll get back to normal eventually. I, I'm a firm believer in that. Everything has its, its hiccups. It's in valleys, you know I mean? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But Eddie, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I had a really, really great time talking to you. It's uh, the first time I've got to talk talk to you over the phone. So it was mm -hmm. a, a really nice conversation to have with you, man. Yeah, John. And I'll definitely get you one of those CDs um, when we get them from Mutant Pop. I mean, that was... I got that whole label discography. It's it's gonna be really cool seeing you know we got a release coming out the same day as the Wallies. You know another one of my <clears throat> favorite bands. So like, yeah. yeah, dude, it's awesome. Like Connie Dungs and all that. So really good. Oh stuff. man, thank you, know, you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot, man. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk. Uh, message me your address, and I'll write it down in my notebook. So yeah, man. But if anybody wants to uh, hit me up for records or anything, like I said, I'm. Always down to talk about music, and uh, thanks, John. Hey, you're welcome, man. Eddie, thank you thank so you. much again for being on the podcast. Tell Kelsey, thank right. you as well for me, and you enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. You too, dude. Later. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Cobain's Someday. <laughs>